0: You're listening to BQN. Assimilate the audio.
1: Welcome, listeners, to another episode of All Good Things, the Star Trek Universe podcast here on BQN and the Fandom Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mark, and with me today is Calvin. Hey, Calvin. Hello,
0: Mark. How are you? What an intimate little recording we've got today, just you and I.
1: This is such a pleasure for me. I get some alone time with Calvin. We're going to craft a really fun episode today. I'm I'm stoked. Excellent. Can't wait. So, you know, I uh, grew up really interested in the arts. I don't know about you, but like when I was in school, it was one of my favorite uh, subjects. Were you into it at all?
0: Not really. I was one of the geeks. I was into kind of, like, history and geography and kind of... I'm I'm not the most creative person.
1: Really? If
0: I'm being completely honest. I'm very scientific. You know, if I was given a box of Lego, I would build... (laughs) The actual thing and follow the instructions to the yeah. rule. I would not create something out of all the different bricks. So no, I'm not. I'm I'm not creative at all.
1: <laughs> that is really surprising. We're spilling the tea on Calvin this week, evidently. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a oh. very logical person. So when you were in school, you were you said you were really interested in, like, sciences and history. Do you listen to, like, History with the Zalagis at all? Have you checked that out? No, um, I haven't had the
0: opportunity to check it out yet. I do need to make some time to uh, give some love to all of the other shows on the network that I'm not dipped into. Because obviously everyone I have dipped into yeah. uh, is great, so... Uh, yeah, Mark, don't put me on the spot like that while well, you're Well, no, it's okay.
1: <laughs> well, what I want to say is, uh, you know, to our listeners, one of the things I love about History of the Zalagis is it's like, if you guys remember short treks from Star Trek, they're little episodes that you can pop in and out of uh, at random, and they don't have to go in order, and they're quick, and you get a little bite-sized discussion, and maybe you learn something, or maybe it gives you something to think about. Well... That transition a little bit into our discussion today, where we are going to be surprised uh, talking about one of the short treks episodes, and we're gonna cover Children of Mars. Ooh. So part of the reason I asked that original question to you is because when I was younger, I was really into art in school, and so growing up grade school and high school and stuff, I took a lot of art classes. And one of the things that I learned through the multiple art teachers I had in my life is that if you give the students like a wide berth for creating art it can take literally forever and what you come up with can end up just being a cluster and not really that good right so what you got to do is implement a little bit of structure and when uh, when you implement a little structure then all of a sudden it's like, okay, we have a time frame here we got to accomplish this in. These are the tools we have to use. Maybe we have to use this style, right? And so all of a sudden as you add these layers onto it, you end up crafting something that's really kind of magical. I've created some of my best art in like a time constraint. So that is, Herein is this episode we're recording today. So, this episode really came about uh within what 15 minutes?
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, and that might be an exaggeration. We were just kind of obviously, it's you know, <laughs> listeners, it, it's New Year's Eve uh, yes. today in which we're recording. So, Amy, Christos, myself, Mark. We're all in different time zones with different things going on, all preparing to mm-hmm. celebrate the New Year. So we're not all as available as we could be. So trying to get everyone in the same room for a, a full length episode was difficult. So Mark, you came up with this brilliant idea of a, a mini episode with a mini cast uh, <laughs> and what would be more fitting than a short trek. No, so well done. Track.
1: Yeah. Oh, Thank you so much. I think we're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, I hadn't watched this one in quite a while, um, but it is, uh, it's a, it's, a, its a favorite. I think it's because it's connected to TNG. Uh, yeah. But before we get into that, we did have some feedback on our previous episode. So do you want to start off with some of the feedback?
0: Um, I will, yes. Our good friend Mark Harker. Uh, Mark Harker said that, in all seriousness, I very much enjoyed this episode, and I'm looking forward to the second art. So that was obviously in uh, relation to last week's episode, our hailing frequencies on Discovery Season 4. Uh, and then Matt, Matt goes on to say that communication is an important topic these days, and I hadn't even thought about the point that Kelvin made about talker and uh and spot-on observation. That's Matt. I like to think my uh, observations have a little bit of meaning to them, so I, I'm glad it struck a chord with you.
1: yeah. Thanks for that, Matt. Uh, Jim Stoffel writes, this was a great one. So thank you, Jim. Appreciate that.
0: Wonderful. Short and sweet, but we'll take that. Thanks, Jim. And then Vera Bible goes on to say, fantastic episode. I got some funny looks at the grocery store when I was responding to you all. Um, I love that, Vera. and That (laughs) is one of the main reasons as well that I've come on to uh, podcasting. I don't usually do it in public. It's usually in the privacy of the car. But when I've been (laughs) listening to Trexpert's quiz or Galaxy Class or all the things with my good friends speaking, it's like you were in the car with me. So I would be part of the conversation without being part of the conversation. So I'm glad other people do that. It's not just me.
1: (laughs) Oh, absolutely not. And good point bringing up Trexpert's quiz, because I don't know how many times I have either just laughed out loud at something going on there or tried to play along. And I'm like sitting in my little cubicle at work and I'm sure I'm getting some looks because I'm just giggling. They're like, what is going on over there?
0: I'd have to put out a public health message that Trexpert's quiz is quite dangerous to listen to if you're driving a vehicle, because Mm. there's been times I've been fuming, screaming the answers. Um, especially if one of the contestants is a friend and I'm like hmm. why don't you know this
1: <laughs> oh and you haven't heard my episode car. yet oh my goodness
0: oh right should I not listen to your episode when I'm driving
1: well it's, it was definitely fun uh, it was fun it was lighthearted. I didn't take it too seriously I didn't think I'd get any right I ended up uh, I'm not gonna you know give it away like you know who won or not for the people who haven't listened but uh, I'll just say I did I did good well done. That way. Oh, can't so, wait for I was impressed.
0: For
1: 2023. <laughs> so, uh, well, now it's time for All Good World. From Las Vegas to Boston, USA to Canada and South America. From the United Kingdom to South Africa. From Russia to Australia, the South Pacific and beyond. This is All Good World. Each episode, we highlight a different location around the globe where this podcast has reached. Today's episode, we'd love to give a special shout out to Mars. Mars, Pennsylvania. (laughs) Fun fact, Mars is home to the popular roadside attraction, the Mars Spaceship, or Flying Saucer. Uh, You can see pictures of that online. It's really cool looking. It also is home to... The Mars Station, uh, one of the last railroad depots still standing from the now defunct Pittsburgh and Western Railroad, which really was one of the, uh, the major railroad uh, companies at the time where, you know, westward expansion was happening in the United States. So definitely look that up as well.
0: Wonderful. Mark, you've aided my geography of my understanding of the United States. I have no idea there was a place called Mars in uh, Pennsylvania, <laughs> so I've learned something. And uh, I, I'm not a disbeliever in coincidences, but uh, how interesting that that location has been chosen for today's episode focusing on the children <laughs> of Mars.
1: <laughs> oh, it's, it's great. I love it. Well, Calvin, do you want to introduce uh, the topic this week? Absolutely, yeah.
0: So, uh as we previously mentioned, we're talking about the Short Trek Children of Mars, which I believe was from the second season of these Short Treks mm. and was the somewhat trailer, if you like, to season one of Star Trek Picard. So, everyone was very excited about this upcoming Short Trek, I remember at the time, a couple of years ago. The story centres on two schoolgirls on Earth who have a fierce rivalry but are drawn together by great tragedy when they see the news of Mars and its orbital facilities where both of the girls have family working and it's been attacked by rogue synthetics. During the news footage we see an image of Admiral Jean-Luc Picard and the network reporting that Picard has called the attack devastating
1: yeah so, that's in a nutshell. So a couple of questions about this episode that came up while I was uh, re-watching. and I don't know if you know you might know the answer or not, but when I first watched it, I thought, you know, this is the first time that we're seeing, you know, the Federation news service or whatnot. But it isn't. It's been on Star Trek before.
0: It has most memorably, for me it was during enterprise which clearly obviously is hundreds of years before this point so it wasn't the federation news service at that point because obviously Mm -hmm. the federation wasn't a thing during enterprise it was just starfleet but it was travis mayweather's ex-girlfriend in season four uh demons and terra prime she was a reporter for kind of like starfleet news if you like so there was that And then I'm pretty sure the Federation News Network has been named later in the kind of the Berman era that we know, kind of DS9. Wasn't Jake Sisko going to be a reporter for the, he was a reporter on DS9 during the Dominion occupation of Space Nine for the Federation News Network? Absolutely. There you go, straight from the top of the memory.
1: And I'm really shocked that you didn't bring this up, but it was also mentioned in Generations. Ooh, we're in generations, remind me the very beginning. It's like oh, all of, of a course. sudden the wine oh. bottle, and then they're there in the ship, and the, the newest service, oh. and they're shoving the mics in the faces of the crew, and yeah. turn that damn thing off. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Uh, so, so yeah, want to talk about a little bit about the pacing in the story? To me, I felt like the pacing for this. Was very Star Trek Picard, and it's it's funny because, like you said, this was sort of a tease for Star Trek Picard. But if you remember, that first season was really kind of a slow burn, and it's almost like a classical piece of music in itself. That first series of Picard that sort of builds slowly into a crescendo, and it starts out, you know, uh, very light. And uh, I feel like they did that with this short trek. There wasn't a lot of dialogue. It was more like the characters were emoting. And no matter what country you were in uh, and what language you were seeing the short trek in, you could understand what was going on.
0: Yeah, that's interesting, actually. We, we sometimes forget, don't we, that Star Trek is uh, such a success of a franchise. It like, will be translated into all sorts of other languages and dubbed. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this was largely uh, dialogue-free, this episode. It just yeah. had the uh, Peter Gabriel soundtrack playing in the background. I, I still don't really understand the meaning of why that song was chosen. To me, it doesn't seem to fit anything to do with that episode uh being about heroes oh you Um, don't think so no what does it mean to you mark let's let's
1: unpack that yeah make the penny drop for me so my interpretation of it not only will the connection to bowie obviously that i feel like with sci-fi but the song itself if you listen to it and David Bowie was uh, writing it, I believe, when he was living in uh, what uh, Communist East Berlin, right? So he was he was staying there, and it influenced that whole album that came out, the Heroes album. But it's the ultimate story of the underdog and the oppressed, and uh, the rising up of these ideas, right? And more of what connects us together than what breaks us apart, right? It's our common shared humanity. And that's exactly what speaks to this story. You have these at the beginning, you have these two groups, right? where this, this girl and this other girl and they don't understand each other and they can't communicate with each other. And instead they're just getting mad and they're taking their feelings of their own life and just using it to essentially punch at the punch down on the other one. And it isn't until they go through this sort of shared experience, and we can all relate to that, at least, you know, here in the States with like 9-11 and things like that. This shared experience where they end up coming together at the end and the very last scene in the short track is the girls holding hands together as one. You know, they've put aside their differences and they've come together. And I think yeah. that's the point of the the hero song from David Bowie. Yeah,
0: I, I think the, the, the takeaway line from the song, the just for one day, is that <laughs> resonated. You know, here's two girls who clearly don't yeah. like each other, bully each other at school, kick the crap out of each other at any mm-hmm. given opportunity. And then just for one day, something bigger has gone on, uh, makes all of their issues seem quite petty, and they hold hands. So I, I get that. But it just seems a little bit of a reach that there are, to me, lots of other music or even, you know, Star Trek loves orchestral classical music. Mm. I just think think, I just feel it's strange that they chose a pop song (laughs) for this. So but again, what you mentioned of the aspects of Star Trek Picard, nobody knew what Star Trek Picard would be like. So retrospectively, looking back at this short trek, Mm -hmm. now having seen two seasons of the uh, approach and style of Star Trek Picard is quite interesting because at the time, this was just really different than anything else we'd had. All the other short treks were like mini Discovery episodes. And this was just, wow. And... I don't know, I might get a little bit of hate online for this for saying, but I just, I felt quite disappointed by this short trek. It didn't, it left me wanting more. So they've achieved, you know, (laughs) it's a, a tease. But I think short of watching it about 10 times, at the time, just to get all the little details and that, and yeah. to get me excited about Picard. It's not something I would go back and re-watch, even to the point of when you just uh, message me saying, let's uh, look at Children of Mars. I haven't even noticed that it had been removed from the streaming services in the UK. So it's that long since I've watched any of the short tracks. It is just not the most memorable episode. Of star trek mm. or even short treks for me but i feel i'm probably in the minority with that i know a lot of people rave about it as this fantastic piece of cinematography yeah uh, i think it was just a bit of a miss for me
1: yeah uh i like that the way that they stripped down the song and blended it with the classical music i like the subdued nature of like you said like there wasn't a lot of dialogue in it. Um, we spent so much time last week talking about communication and that's why i wanted to bring that up is because this is something that you know you can get the feeling for and you can relate to it regardless of if there's any talking in this at all it's like a silent film you can kind of get it so i appreciate it on that level uh... do i wish that you know especially the first second third watches do i wish that it wasn't about kids yeah i'm not really into kids i don't watch a lot of kids shows or kids movies uh, you know, but I got the story, and I appreciate that it was connected to TNG, and there was Picard at the end, and it was just enough to get me sort of excited for the Picard yeah. show that was coming, as you said.
0: I, I again at the time, I remember a lot of online chat, hype, discussion, uh, and it was known before we watched this that it mm-hmm. was connected to Star Trek Picard. So there was a lot of excitement being built. So I don't think there was any surprises there. But I also, it's hard to put my memory back. You know, what did I remember at the time? What did I know at the time? I don't think it had been established exactly when Star Trek Picard was due to take place in terms of the year. Mm -hmm. So this is a flashback from Star Trek Picard before. So I think... Uh, when was the Synth Attack? 2385, wasn't it? The Synth Attack, 15 <laughs> years before Picard is set. So were we watching this thinking, right, this is the era in hmm. which the the activity is going to take place in season one of Picard when we know straight away from the offing it's not. It's just yeah. something that's very important uh, to both Picard personally and to the events of the, the latter half of the 24th century. Yeah.
1: Well, let's talk a little bit about its connection to Star Trek because it this whole event that happens, the synth attack, uh, really, I would say, has as much to do with uh, changing the course of Star Trek as we know it, as you would say the Dominion War did, as you would say that uh, the events of Star Trek 09 with the Destruction of Romulus has, here you have this synth attack, and so this is another course correction for Star Trek to sort of set it in another direction. What do you think uh, the implications for this event have been through the other series?
0: yeah interesting question i know going across into like doctor who they kind of refer to certain things as a fixed point in time or a fixed event Mm -hmm. as in don't mess with history and unravel that one because it's important (laughs) and i see the synth attack as being one of these fixed events a lot like the romulan supernova that you just mentioned so the effects that we are told about it are clearly the effect on, on data and soon uh, type androids and Bruce Maddox having to jet off with Jurati and start researching in secret after the Daystrom Institute has shut down. Uh, then there's the tragic effect on Riker and Troy, how they couldn't cure their son Thad oh. uh, because it required a positronic technology Uh, which I think they would have just done anyway, wouldn't they? Let's face it. Uh, They should (laughs) have just done that. Break the law, save your child. That's what any parent would do. So there's some of the lasting effects. But do you know what really got me thinking about this? And it was actually in relation to Prodigy about Mm -hmm. the whole augment ban in Starfleet. And I thought, here's another example of Starfleet being really discriminatory. (laughs) which you oh, wouldn't Lord. expect. So we banned augments because we've been burned by augments. And now we're gonna ban synthetic life as well. That's It's really bad. <laughs> you know, so they've shown, they've got over the augment kind of thing. They've looked the other way for Dr. Bashir. They're now going to look the other way for Dahl. Spoiler, sorry.
1: Uh, I was wondering if you were going to, if you've seen it, so yeah, okay. <laughs> oh yes, absolutely.
0: Uh, uh, 24 hours after everyone in America, I may add. Uh, so, oh, me uh, too.
1: A, 24 hours a revenge, after.
0: <laughs> a, a revenge spoiler for anyone who uh, tried to post anything yesterday. Um, but now I'm thinking, well, let's hope they look the other way for Una as well. in Strange new world. So that's the augment side of things. But Synthetic life, it's not just data as we know mm-hmm. him, obviously, he's the most famous example of, but that synth ban in in Starfleet must have caused a huge amount of upset and it, it does make me really agree with with Picard in his I know he resigned because of the kind of the shutdown of the Romulan relief efforts as mm-hmm. opposed to the synth ban itself. But it would have just been another kind of scraping away at Picard's confidence of what the hell's going on at the top levels of Starfleet, that they're just imposing these bans based on fear. Uh, And I think there's a message for everyone. Don't kind of run away from things that you're scared of. Try to understand it a little bit more and conquer that fear and prejudice because you're excluding and alienating an entire group of people or society or type of life form. So I'm as bewildered as Picard would have been as to why the hell would the synth attack on Mars mean ban all synthetic life? I'm sure Starfleet is bigger than that.
1: Yeah, he spent his career sort of fighting for the underdog. Um, And there's, what is it, Measure of a Man? You know, one of the most famous TNG episodes uh, where he's fighting for the rights of, you know, synthetic beings. And there's that whole communique with Guinan and 10 forward about it. You know, the, the use of, um, just disposable people and the ramifications of that. If they're not treated like a person. Right. And so we see that there. And then to see, you know, it's been, you know, 20 or 30 years in their time as well. And now all of a sudden, it's like all those things that Picard fought for so hard in TNG are sort of, he's starting to get into, I guess, irrelevancy within the hierarchy of the Federation or Starfleet. And they're just like, they don't remember. They have like a short memory of that. And so now all of a sudden, they're just using them as disposable workforce on Mars, I guess, you know, they have the people locked up in that room you know, spoiler alert.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, but also as well, bringing it back to this episode, and again, it's really hard to separate your memory from all the <laughs> surrounding that we you know outside of this episode. This episode really introduced the term synths into Star Trek mm-hmm. because previously they'd just been androids or, you know, holograms, Excel mm-hmm. comps, whatever type of synthetic life form. So the term synths attack Mars, we didn't really know what that was here. And we didn't know it led yeah. to the band. We just know there's been an attack on Mars at Utopia Planitia on First Contact Day, uh, which is, you know, a celebrated public holiday, which now has the meaning of that holiday changed because it's, it's tragic.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And Picard has been involved and has called it you know, a d- disgraceful attack, tragic uh, loss of life. Yeah, that's kind of all we got. So I think the central themes of the episode are those two children who don't get on and can kind of that message of, come on, there's more important things in the world. Put your differences aside. Or, you know, your dad's just died in a, an accident. Your dad's just died in an accident. You know, unite over grief.
1: Yeah. No, yeah. exactly. Yeah, and uh, I mean, it's important to... I think it's a good lesson for humanity in general is to, I guess, look for the things that we have in common more than look at the things that, you know, make us different.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and even thinking of, you know, school bullies, um, mm-hmm. I was quite shocked to see that in Star Trek. Again, the whole federation, there's no war, there's no poverty, there's no disease. You know, is it too much of a stretch for me to not expect kids to be kids? But I'd like to think that teaching it's good job Amy's not here, she'd come for me, wouldn't she? Uh, (laughs) Teaching in Starfleet, you would not really kind of explain that uh, expect that behaviour from children. So I was quite shocked that here we've got a Star Trek episode dealing with the concept of not only bullying, but again, having two young girls kicking the crap out of each other in a very violent scene, and yeah. which you don't see that, do you, in Star Trek?
1: No, not really. Uh, but you don't, I guess, the, the kid episodes are sort of one-offs, and your time with them is, is sort of limited, thankfully. Sorry.
0: <laughs> oh, Mark, do you
1: know what happened to me this morning?
0: I was you know of star trek's always on one of the tv channels so sometimes mm-hmm. it saves me the the kind of the mental um job of trying to decide what episode to watch i will just watch what's on and um one episode just went off and the next episode was cost of living uh with alexander and relax yes. uh, on a try and that's one of the episodes that I've really got to be in the mood for that episode. And I was not in the mood for a little brat of like Alexander this morning. So yeah. I, turned it, I turned it off. <laughs> so I know Listen, what you mean about the child yeah. episodes. They, they don't always do it for me. Although I did like, I liked imaginary friend is a, a good episode that I often go back to.
1: That was on today too, right?
0: it would have been either earlier or later in the day but it wasn't the one immediately before cost of living i don't think i can't remember which one it was
1: are you on the paramount plus app doing the streaming no it was just one
0: of the sky channels here in the uk um i think randomly they've got star trek on something like the horror channel it's like what has star trek got to do with horror
1: maybe two episodes do I think both of those episodes were actually playing today on Paramount Plus as well, which wow, is Wow, what a coincidence. Yeah, on the streaming. Anyway. Well, we did have some uh, trivia today, so let's uh, let's jump into the trivia.
0: Okay, so this is the first short Shortrex episode where the title is displayed after the episode instead of after
1: the opening credits.
0: Oh, I can't say I remember all people on that at the
1: time. Yeah, I thought that was weird Uh, when it just closed that way. Not weird in a bad way, just weird. Weirds can be good. I was like, oh, that's peculiar. Okay, (laughs) just stuck it at the end. Interesting choice. Uh, One of the things I noticed more, and this is something I loved, was that this is the first episode to be credited as, based on Star Trek The Next Generation, created by Gene Roddenberry, instead of based on Star Trek created by Gene Roddenberry. Uh, similarly, when the title cards of all the previous Short Treks were in the typeface used for Star Trek Discovery, the title card for this episode is in... Was it Krell? yeah. Krillie, the typeface used for episode titles and credits in Star Trek The Next Generation, which is interesting.
0: Yeah, it's a great point, and great research as well for finding out what the TNG font is called. I have no idea. (laughs) So, um, and you're right. It did feel very different at the time, this Short Trek. They've all been very Discovery-focused beforehand. Mm -hmm. So, it was good to see. And it seems normal now, because we've seen all throughout Picard it's same based on Star Trek The Next Generation. So, it was a big deal at the time, and I think it did a good job of setting the team. So uh, what else have we got? We've got the the split screen segment. So it's only ever the second episode to feature a split screen presentation of the events for the audience. That is not some form of communication between the characters seen. So this happens as the girls leave the dormitory rooms. And the first time it happened was in Discovery Such Sweet Sorrow Part 2, which... I'm struggling to think of a scene in such week sorrow that uses the split screen. I know the split screen was used in the discussion between Discovery and Enterprise about the kind of docking manoeuvres, but I would have counted that as communication. Mm. Well, I love that. Uh, season 2 finale of Discovery, so I think it's just given me another great opportunity to rewatch that tomorrow when I've got a steaming hangover from New <laughs> Year's Eve that is going to be starting for me in about an hour.
1: The, the one uh, thing I will give Discovery credit for is uh, they really know how to open and close. I still think they're trying to figure out what to do in the middle parts of their seasons, I'm looking at you, season four, Amy. Mm. Anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I loved, you know, even watching the first episode of season four, which I rewatched the other day, there was so much potential there. It was like this great one off episode where they're introducing a new and they're bringing them into the Federation, and they're like these cool butterfly people, but then there's this whole other thing happening on the space station that's out of control, and it's upside down. And, I don't know, I just loved it. And you're right, like, uh, the closing of of Season 2 of Discovery, um, the huge battle, and um, just... I don't know, there was the intimate moments with, you know, had Spock on the shuttle and he's saying bye to the Michael for the you know last time and all oh, that. Oh, great
0: scene. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, more of the trivia that we've got here. So this episode features the second instance of non-orchestral incidental music. Uh, so music uh, not in the scene being heard by the characters. So hmm. um, it was after the trouble with Edward, which again was one of the other short tracks. Um, the example of this that sticks with me is uh, in Picard season two, where Seven Beams Down, and they have the California Dreaming uh, song where the little girl oh. sings her I thought that was brilliant. Oh,
1: wow. Uh, and
0: I love that great choice of song, great choice of version of the song, because it's not... Who rang it? Was it the Beach Boys who did that originally?
1: Mamas and Papas. Mamas and
0: Papas. I beg your pardon. Apologies okay. if I've offended anyone for not knowing that. <laughs> um, but that version was great, and yeah, it was just a great Jerry Ryan scene as well. So it's, it's, um If they picked up the idea from this episode of Short Treks, then I will bow
1: to them. Calvin, that that scene that you're talking about it made the hair stand of my arm i was just like so into it and then she's like are you a superhero which totally speaks to our time we were at now where all the superhero films and the marvel yeah. films and stuff and she just kind of winks at her and walks off i was like oh that was just amazing oh so good well more trivia uh scenes for this episode were filmed at the daniels building at the university of toronto This is the only episode from the first and second seasons of Short Treks to not be included on the Blu-ray and DVD release of the series. It is included on the Blu-ray and DVD release of the first season of Star Trek Picard. Huh. Interesting. Had no idea.
0: No, me neither. That's cool. And this is the second Star Trek Short trek, uh, not set in the 23rd century after Calypso and is the first episode set in the late 24th century as a continuation of where the timeline left off after the event of Nemesis, which again, I, I love. I, I think I, I've started to Tell people about how my mind works on this podcast, and it's almost like therapy for me, but I'm obsessed with sequence. Mm-hmm. And you know, I find nothing more beautiful than looking at a timeline. <laughs> and everyone always goes on about their favorite era in Trek, and everyone was desperate to know what happens after Nemesis. Whereas now we're so spoiled of having two seasons of Picard, we've got Prodigy, we've got Lower Decks, all which take place in that specific period of time. But this was the first nugget that we've had because all we had is Discovery, yeah, which was so far removed. And even that trivia about Calypso, you know, the events of Calypso are not that quite sensational for us anymore about the timeline aspect because mm-hmm. we're in that timeline now with season three and four of Discovery. So, yeah. yeah, it was it was just a big deal to see this kind of taking place where it was uh, the synth attack on first contact day.
1: Well, as you mentioned uh, about timelines, uh, this episode is a prequel to Star Trek Picard, and uh, the year it is set in was clarified by the episode maps and legends. Uh, Maps and Legends, I believe, is the one that showed the flashback of the attack. And I think they used some of the same clips, if I'm correct.
0: Yeah, there was the the clips of the, the kind of the ships firing mm. the red disruptors down onto Utopia of That was used in the first episode also, I believe, during the interview with Picard, with the yeah. woman with the very fussy lipstick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, I thought, and I so, you know, full disclosure, I wasn't able to do a rewatch uh, of this episode before speaking with you today, Mark, because of, it's been removed from uh, browsers. So I just kind of look at the, a very couple of quick YouTube videos and clips to jog my memory. But I thought they did establish the year in this episode. So if that came later, I, I apologise. And again, that kind of aspect of is Star Trek Picard going to take place as a picking up where this mm-hmm. episode left off? Where, as we know, it, it doesn't.
1: Well, the, the tendrils from this episode obviously go through maps and legends, as we've already mentioned, uh, which I love the scene in that where you have what F8, another tongue-in-cheek name like Data and Lore and in that tradition of the android Four. having a, a a cool name, you know. Uh, I'm glad they brought him back uh, for season two as well. They had him as Harvey, which, less tongue-in-cheeky, but I'm I'm still glad they brought the actor back. Yeah. Uh, How do you feel about
0: hmm. um, this idea of synthetic life being used as almost like servile, you know? Um, Because obviously we had all the holograms doing all the mining, Mm. and now we've seen that we've now got androids on utopia planitia doing all the crap work that humans do you think it's just logical to kind of say well here's people who don't require oxygen so we can use them in a low oxygen environment to do some work that other people don't want to do or again is it just not very starfleet to make these decisions for sentient life to be doing all the crap work
1: yeah i got the impression that obviously uh They touch on this in Star Trek Picard, but the androids that they tried to create, and Gerardi was part of that with Maddox, they never quite got to the level uh, of data. And so I'm not sure that they considered those androids as being sentient and more of like uh, a blender. (laughs) Seeing, you know, the first, seeing, you know, Harvey and seeing F8. And seeing the the play with humor a little bit with the character, I get the impression it's similar to Data season one. Really, I I think that they could yeah. go beyond their programming, and um, I I guess I'm sort of torn on uh, their use. I I guess I should probably say that it was uh, a poor choice and in poor taste to be using them because they could have. I don't know, found other automated ways to accomplish the same tasks without them being close to sentience.
0: Yeah, it never sat right with me. And uh, as well, we're going into more maps and legends Mm -hmm. here rather than Children of Mars. But even the reaction to the, the, the human crew to the synthetic when he was you know running around saying hell yeah and they're all saying yeah. you know he gives me the creeps i don't like him that was so, so there's rude. that bigotry there of you know we're used to people like picard standing mm-hmm. up for the uh, data uh janeway standing up for the doctor even data and data in the exocomps even though peanut hamper has put that <laughs> on back a few years but we're not used to seeing that bigotry um, yeah. And I suppose the only thing that Star Trek Picard did show that Maddox, uh, from what we know from Measure of a Man, did kind of obviously get over all of his bigotry and was so inspired by Data that he, he wanted to continue and eventually became like, friends with Data. So, yeah, that kind of the human exploration of um, getting to a, a higher uh, level of moral morality. I just struggle when it shows imperfect humans in the future, because that's not what we want to see.
1: Yeah, my my in my head canon, it's because we've only seen the top of the top that have gotten onto the flagship Enterprise, yeah. and so they're all model officers. And and now, like especially with like lower decks, you're like, oh, okay, they all strive for that, but then there's these other classes of ships and other like you know people that do the less glamorous work. Yeah. Uh, so that's yeah, how you're get right. It around it.
0: You're right. There's always going to be those people who are a little bit, you know, hacked off in the workplace or having a bad day and they're just quite bitter. But uh, yeah, not, I mean, not,
1: they, not had my, not they had it even on TNG. They had, you know, Barclay of course was a little off, and then there was that uh, that woman there that spilled the coffee or tea all over Picard. Yeah, Um,
0: but, you know, Barclay could still be the hero, even though he had character flaws and confidence issues. And Sonia Gomez went on to become captain of the Archimedes, so she did quite well.
1: Yeah, God love her. (laughs) Uh, One thing I wanted to mention here, and I started to touch on a little bit, but, again, saying the tendrils from this episode stretch out, I'm wondering, because so much of season three of Picard is going to be heavily focused on bringing this crew back together. One of the crew members, obviously, that we haven't seen yet is going to be Jordy. Jordy was literally in charge of Utopia Planitia Mm -hmm. at the time of the attack. I guarantee you that this subject will be brought up again. Yeah. And the effects of him and his family that, you know, the events of this episode have had.
0: Yeah, had um, Christos been with us today, I know this is the point he would have jumped in and start talking about Una McCormack's uh, book, The Last Best Hope, because I know he's a huge fan of that book, as am I. But they did deal with all of that in the book, that Geordi just happened to be off-world, off off, world, off Utopia Planitia at the time of the attack. But that is where he worked, that is where he was based. He suffered the devastation of losing all of his colleagues, Um, and that kind of survivor guilt of Mm. everyone you work with is now dead you just happen to be away on your jollies and you got out of it so I think it would be a missed opportunity if they didn't reflect on that with Geordi in season three of Picard but you never know they may they may gloss over it because they may consider that to be someone else's story considering it's a, a new writing team and you know they're going with a different direction but yeah the una McCormack
1: definitely processed that in her book well this would be an interesting question for our listeners listeners what do you think let us know excellent well calvin you got some final thoughts on this short trek
0: yeah talking this through
1: with you mark
0: maybe i have been a little harsh in my judgment of this episode at the time you know it didn't really serve anything for me other than a a kind of a very vague trailer to Picard without being specific enough to give us anything going on. But when you look at the episode in the context of season one of Picard, then it does make a lot more sense on rewatch. I'm not sure I really enjoyed the absence of the dialogue in the kind of the silent movie style that you mentioned before, Mark, I think it was brave for them to do it. I don't feel it landed very well. It didn't really resonate. But again, we've spoken before that whole kind of children message (laughs) never resonates with me ever. Uh, I I don't have a huge affinity to kind of parenting and I've never lost a parent, I'm fortunate enough. To say that so it didn't strike a chord with me at the time but i think there's enough themes going on within children of mars too to look back at it and and say yeah they, they they did a good job yeah how about you
1: well i didn't quite get it the first watch or maybe even the second watch but i kept going back and i kept re-watching it like a lot of us because it was going to be what set up picard and so we were all. You know about that, and I'll say about the pacing again. I feel like it was brave to do in this uh, world we live in of spectacle and Marvel films and the JJ track and all of that. Now, I'm not uh, saying that any of that is wrong. I mean, it's inter if it entertains you and it makes you feel good and uplifts you, great. But this was a pivot like a a 180 just in a whole other direction and I think that uh, there should be a place for that like of telling Mm -hmm. a different type of story in a different way it was more subtle and very very appropriate for setting up the story of Picard because you don't think of Jean-Luc Picard as an action adventure star you don't think of him him as a James Bond figure or whatnot. not he's Sitting at his desk, having his tea Earl Grey hot, listening to classical music, maybe, yeah. reading some Shakespeare. And for that, I, I feel like uh, the silence and the pacing and, and all of that was uh, was good. And the story, the story is a very classic, very human story of two, again, very different people coming together because of the shared experience. So,
0: Yeah, great yeah. point. Uh, I do have one final, final mm. thought. <laughs> okay. Just this second occurred to me. This took place on First Contact Day, Mm -hmm. which has been established to be a public holiday. Why were the schools open? Why were these two (laughs) girls in school? (laughs) Poor Amy wouldn't even get a day off work to celebrate First Contact Day in the future, get to work, get those teachers in, teach the children. All the parents are having the day off.
1: Well, I think, uh, I guess growing up in the United States, there's plenty of holidays that are like bank holidays, yeah, where rich people get them off and then everybody else has to work. There's definitely holidays here where you would think you would have it off, but a lot of people still have to work.
0: Yeah, we're, we're very funny about the public holidays here in the UK, because the... Um... The devolved status of like scotland england wales there mm. are some minor differences between scotland and uh and england's holidays so yeah um and even since like everyone's really happy that we get an extra public holiday in 2023 to celebrate the king's coronation <laughs> so it just made me laugh that uh this is a public holiday in the future but the children are still at school
1: well do you think some of that has to do with time too, because the farther away you get from a particular event, the less uh, I guess importance it has for getting the time off.
0: Uh, a chance, but if you can't celebrate first contact day on Earth, where well can you celebrate it?
1: Yeah, probably not on Vulcan. I don't. They don't seem like partiers to me. But anyway,
0: bonfire <laughs> night at the Vulcan nightclub.
1: Ooh, I'd be there <laughs> seeking Jamaharon and I'll tell you that. <laughs> Well, next week, uh, we are going to be continuing with our series, Hailing Frequencies, where we're going to keep on with our discussion uh, that was so beloved. We had a pause this week for this episode, but next week we'll be resuming, probably, hopefully, uh, (laughs) that discussion of Discovery Season 4, the events with the 10C and the communication piece. And uh, if Amy was here, she would be extrapolating better than I can. Uh, But uh, we're looking forward to you guys hearing part two.
0: How interesting that we've got a little short trek in between a two-part episode, kind of punctuating the sequence. I was very much looking forward to saying previously, on All Good Things... For the two parters, but we can't do that now because we've got an episode in the middle.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, we could still do that just for the people, uh, you know, people maybe that have tuned in this week and then forgotten about last week, you know, we could still do that. those
0: people who don't want to listen if Amy's not on.
1: That's probably a lot of people. This this episode's going to tank. <laughs> no! <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you, everybody that has listened. We would love to hear what you thought of today's episode and hope you'll join our Facebook group, The BQN Collective, to continue our discussion there. You can also tweet your thoughts at Pod. Please follow the network on Twitter and Instagram at BQN Podcast. We've also partnered with our friends at Fandom Podcast Network, where you can find us by searching their master feed. So, Calvin, where can people find you when you are not searching through multiple apps trying to find obscure one-off Short Trek episodes that you eventually can't find?
0: Oh, well, when I'm not doing that, and I do spend a lot of time doing that, especially today, uh, you can find me here on the network in the BQN uh, Facebook group, or you can find me on good old Instagram or Twitter at Kelvin's Timeline. And Mark, where can people find you when you're not bullying young schoolgirls?
1: Oh, Lord. Well, I mean, I wouldn't be bully per se. I might throw a rogue snowball towards them, or potentially if I'm watering my lawn, the hose might spin around and get them as they're walking by. But just, you know, a light playful bullying. (laughs) I'm only kind of a fair weather dick. So, uh, when I'm not doing that, uh, you can find me, obviously, on the BQN Collective Facebook page. There's a lot happening there these days, especially uh, with you know the new year. Uh, we're having so much more engagement. I can't tell you. Every day I log in, I find we have more people signing up than ever. We're at our highest numbers for engagement uh, over there on the Collective. So if you haven't checked it out already, please do. We're having a blast. Also, you can find me on Twitter at MarkWhite207. And you can find me on my show, It's Green, if you become a Patreon supporter of BQN.
0: Hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or wherever you pick podcasts, and leave us a star rating and written review. That helps others find the show. You can also follow the entire network's podcast with our master feed by searching BQN. This way you won't miss any of our fine shows like Union Federation, Galaxy Class, History with the Zalagis, Infinite Diversity, Mickey's Marvels, Saswatch, Watch, What's the Team Bev, and Traxport's Quiz.
1: At this time, we'd like to thank our associate producers, Mahendran Radhakrishnan and Tim Cooper. A special thanks to Graham Kelly for our opening and closing music.
0: And thanks to you, Mark, for our artwork that we use each and every week. I thought Aww. it must be quite weird for you to say that yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate why you just cut that out.
1: (laughs) Oh, thanks.
0: If you would like to help uh, keep our shows coming to you every week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Uh, We'll add you to the Hive Mind Facebook group so you can enjoy It's Green. Amy's math moments, and other network perks. With a monthly subscription of $5 or more, you can join our virtual meetings on The Hive Mind. Roundtable discussion is on every second Saturday of the month. Visit patreon.com forward slash to get all the details and watch your messages.
1: Thank you for listening, and we hope you will join us as we continue to search out. All good things.